0: Ideas, a Marvel Horror
1: Podcast. I am the Tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson.
2: Welcome, my friends. To Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. And let me tell you, this episode sucks. Trey? What? What the fuck are you doing? Vampire
1: shit. Oh, are we doing vampire shit? Da. Listen to them, my children of the
2: night. What beautiful music they make. I'm listening, I'm not hearing anything, because we're underground.
1: Oh, um, well I'm pretty sure they they
2: sound pretty sweet. Fair enough. Anyway, my name is Trey. And I'm James. And we have some vampire stories to go over today, but first, uh, there, there's some other, uh, goings on in the broader Marvel Universe right now. Right, We want to start the episode
1: this week with another update on Hellstrom Watch. As far as we know, this show is still happening.
2: Yep. Somehow, despite Feige taking over and canceling literally everything else, he has apparently no interest whatsoever in the Son of Satan. This has been Hellstrom Watch.
1: Also, in the news, uh, we have less than... Actually, by the time you hear this episode, Disney Plus will be live and active.
2: Yep, and I don't know about you, but I will have watched the first episode of The Mandalorian.
1: Uh, I'm almost certainly going to have watched the first episode of The Mandalorian because I'll be sitting next to you. Because uh, <laughs> I can't afford my own Disney Plus subscription. <laughs> So I'll be using yours. Uh, that reminds me, I need a right. password. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and we've gotten some news on the Marvel series now. As I've we've discussed before on the show, there is no Marvel series starting off on Disney Plus. They're all going to be coming in at a later date. I don't right. think any of them, in fact, this year. On no, Disney no, Plus. I, th- I think I
2: uh, think Falcon and Winter Soldier might be the first. And it's not going to be until sometime next year.
1: Yeah. Um, but we ha- they have announced that both She-Hulk and Moon Knight have gained writers and showrunners uh, for those shows. And uh, Trey, you've got those names, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, She-Hulk is uh, going to be uh, led by Jessica Gao, um, who has credits on Robot Chicken, Silicon Valley... Um, and, notably, won an Emmy for writing the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty. I'm Pickle Rick! <laughs> I may have um, that shirt, I'm not sure. And and so, uh, she has some experience writing uh, angry green mutant characters. <laughs> uh,
1: that's good. Uh, but... I think a little bit more relevant to our show, um, Moon Knight... Well, no, okay, Jennifer Walters did date Man-Wolf at one point, so, you know... Absolutely. There's, there's that. Actually, she married Man-Wolf at one point.
2: Yes. Yeah, they were an item for a while.
1: Yeah. But, uh, also, a little bit more relevant to what we'll be covering on the show, Moon Knight has
2: gained a showrunner. That's right. Um, according to Hollywood Reporter... Moon Knight will be overseen by Jeremy Slater, Um, and uh, Slater has a good bit of experience in genre television. He worked on uh, developing Umbrella Academy for Netflix, based on that comic book series. Uh, He has written and produced the Exorcist TV series, which I think was on Fox, maybe. Um, He wrote the Death Note adaptation for Netflix, I believe. Uh, and he also wrote the 2015 Fantastic Four movie.
1: Right, and who can forget when he was the jock on Saved by the Bell in the early 90s? That was... (laughs) uh... I
2: I think that's a different Slater.
1: But, speaking of comics we're reading right now, we do have two comics we're going to talk about on this week's show. We have vampire tales number two and tomb of dracula number 13 and we'll go ahead and start with that vampire tales number two magazine issue right after these messages
0: don't talk just listen Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinepunk's podcast network. Hey, Kirk Fogg here, your guide to Nickelodeon's Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's my temple. Right, old Mac. Anyway, every show's a different legend. I decide the legend. Kids have to cross the moat, answer questions. I ask the questions. Whatever you say, no neck.
1: Next are the temple games, and then the run through the temple.
0: It's my temple. Watch the first game show that lets kids live out legendary adventures. Watch Legends of the Hidden Temple today at 635 5:30 Central, only on Nick. The City of the Dead. (laughs) Hey, you! What are you doing here? Now you see him. Now you don't. (laughs) Hold your breath and save your laughs. When Bela Lugosi, that master of horror, meets those gloom-busting Eastside kids, even a respectable ghost. Gets a nervous breakdown. It says here that in the night, he prowls about seeking new victims. And in the daytime, he sleeps in a coffin. Well, let's wait till daytime, huh? We ain't waiting for nothing. We're gone right now. Go ahead. Open it. Why are you opening? It? Maybe it ain't supposed to be open till Christmas. Who are you? You don't remember me. But 20 years ago in this dirty house, you scared the health out of me. Billy! Ha <gülüyor> ha <gülüyor> 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 <gülüyor>
1: Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror podcast. Our first issue this week is another one of our black and white magazines. This one, the second issue of Vampire Tales, Vampire Tales number two. Cover date on this one is October 1973. And we have four brand new stories from this magazine that we're going to cover on this episode and our first one is the blood sacrifice of amanda saint. writer is don mcgregor, artist is rick buckler, ink inker is pablo marcos and it doesn't say it but we're presuming the editor is roy thomas. morbius stalks a beautiful young woman on the streets of los angeles, but before he can feed on his prey, she is set upon by a mysterious veiled woman. And her monstrous henchmen. Morbius ends up rescuing the young woman named Amanda Saint from her attackers and escorting her home. After being dropped off by the vampire, Amanda calls her boyfriend Justin, who after calming Amanda's fears and getting off the phone with the young girl, curses his associates for bungling the job of kidnapping her. Later that night, the veiled woman and her servants again try to kidnap Amanda this time from her bedroom. But Morbius has also reached sensing something ominous about the household. After a scuffle, the masked assailant carries the unconscious Amanda to their waiting purse, taking off, with Morbius following behind them by air.
2: This, I think, is a better solo adding for Morbius than what we've seen previously. We did read the the one other story
1: with Morbius, and... There was the thing with the weird hippie chicks and the weird cult and I kind of I, I felt like that ended on a cliffhanger too. I can't remember it at this point. But apparently yeah. we we're like, let's not worry about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there there were some weird echoes of that story in this one, I think.
1: Yes. Where Morbius is about to feed on a young woman, but instead of being successful in this case, someone else beats him to it.
2: Right. Um but uh, Buckler is a really good fit for this character. He is. He is. Uh, like even Morbius. when the story, even when the story isn't quite working for me, the art is really good.
1: Yes, Morbius's face and his expressions are very good. There's a sequence in this story that I like a lot. That I didn't really cover it in the summary, but it's where. Morbius catches a taxi. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah.
1: And the taxi driver is wanting to strike up a conversation with him. And Bruce brings up the topics of the day like, you know, Watergate. <laughs> nice reminder of when these comics came out. Right. And a nice echo of what we're currently going
2: through. <laughs> that too, yes.
1: <laughs> um, But it, it's a great sequence. And guys, I post it on the... Uh, podcast Twitter page because it's just a great set of panels where the guys just try to talk to him and just Morbius comes crashing through the glass partition. That was...
2: sequence, more than anything else, feels like something out of a horror movie. Yes, it does, and it's one of the more gruesome moments of vampirism because we actually get every single moment of it in close up, including the teeth biting into the juggler.
1: Yeah. Which is really good. And you feel bad for the taxi driver, because unlike a lot of the other Morbius victims that we see in this issue, he's done nothing wrong. Well, he brought up politics and religion. But even Morbius states the fact that he probably would have liked to have had a conversation with this man.
2: True. True.
1: (laughs) I think even Morbius thinks Nixon is a monster. Fair enough. But, yeah, Buckler does a great job there, and really the rest of the issue as well.
2: Yeah, there are a handful of pages where the layouts are just fantastic.
1: For instance, uh, on page seven. Oh, is that the one with the, the caption that goes around the panel? Yeah, the little circular panel where he's biting into the neck, and the the words, the narration go around that panel. And yeah. that it's really nice it's it's really nice and the the the, the way the panels the panels are lay out later down they're kind of pointing
2: down to the big reveal of the henchman's monstrous face yeah that one's really good all of the fight scenes are well done like they they flow nicely you can tell wh- what direction your eye is supposed to go because the action and the text sort of go together no arrows necessary exactly even
1: though there is like a, a a scene like on the next page from there where katabolic is like slicing his axe across his scythe across the page of the comic yep but at the same time it doesn't distract
2: or it doesn't confuse you where you're supposed to be looking right well because he also like is existing on on the top half of the page in basically three panels yes at least it works really uh, well, and then you've got then you've got like the really stylized layouts, like uh, like the very first page where you have the sort of snapshots of different moments um, superimposed over the image of the bat, um, or even uh, and I think you had a note about this one, but uh, the the last page of the story, it's a skull. It is, and it's gorgeous.
1: All the scenes are different parts of the skull and, like, Morbius falling down and Morbius getting back up again are the eyes of the skull. Yep. And it's beautiful. It really is. And it feels very much like an old 1930s movie serial cliffhanger.
2: Yep. In fact, my, my one surprise, really, here, was that we did not get the conclusion in the back half of the magazine.
1: No, I was kind of expecting that, or... Pick up somewhere else Because I think that really would have tied This book together
2: Because if this was Tales of the Zombie We'd have gotten the second half of the story At the end of the magazine
1: And I think it had been a stronger magazine for it I can right. think of at least one story in this book That should have been cut out and tossed it aside But we won't get We'll to get th- to that <laughs> we, we will get to that
2: Yeah um, In terms of story uh, What's going on? Like so, so there's a cult, and the boyfriend is involved with the cult, and maybe the sister, but that's not entirely clear. Like, I don't know.
1: Like, we have met only one other female character in this story, and she vaguely matches the body type scene for the sister. So there's a good chance that she is the woman behind the veil.
2: Right. And also she is weirdly unconcerned. That her sister's rescuer has huge fangs and a bat-like nose and claws. Right. Although it is also possible that the Veiled Woman is the girl's mother.
1: Uh, yeah. Because it's mentioned that their father is away looking for their mother who went off and got involved in the occult. Right, right. Um, it's possible that the sister is in fact a red
2: herring. Right, I could see that. Um. And then there's also uh the uh the Jive Turkey straight boyfriend. Yes. And to his credit, if I,
1: <laughs> if I found out that you were dealing drugs from the tomb, like he
2: finds out his roommate is dealing drugs in the apartment, I would be slightly peeved. If you'll excuse me for just a minute, I need to throw some things out. That's okay.
1: <laughs> Wait a minute. uh but it you know i just realized that the the boyfriend is the one we see in the first panel with the kiss but oh yeah he is a little bit mustache twirly he is He, he is a bit of the mustache twirly boyfriend which is okay sure
2: and what kind of a name is demon fire one that will not go in down in the annals of marvel history yeah, no, I think uh, this is going to be one of those one-off kind of things. Probably. Um, but no, I, I, honestly, I do think I liked this Morbius story better than what we got in Vampire Tales number one.
1: Oh, definitely. I, I definitely agree with that. It, it's uh, it's I, a lot more solid, and the art really sings.
2: The the art, it makes a big difference, um I think they do a better job of handling Morbius's struggles with his addiction to blood. Um, I, like I say, I wish we had gotten the, the other half of the story, but other than that, I, I thought, uh, if for no other reason, uh, Rich Buckler's art was well worth reading this story for. Agreed. It, it ends too quickly, and I'm
1: we're kind of left wondering, okay, but now what? Because we don't feel right. like we get a full story out of it. Especially since this is supposed to be the headline story. Right.
2: But or is it?
1: Because it's not the cover story. No, which is probably where we should go next. Yep. So, yeah, our next story, it, it is what appears to be the cover story. And it's called The Five Claws of Trifon. Writer in this one is Gardner Fox. Artist and anchor are... Jesus Blasco, and John Ramita Senior, not signified which one's which on that one. Simon Majors has searched the world for years for five stones. Before Jim Starling can contact his lawyers, these five stones are revealed as the Five Claws of Trifon, which when placed together by a certain rock face on a mountain, opens a portal to another world. Simon enters the portal to find himself in a paradise, but he is soon set upon by the realm's inhabitants, wingless batmen and their commanding priestess, the beautiful Sharala. Simon is imprisoned in a cave, but tries to escape by crawling deeper into a deeper cave. In this deeper cave, he finds Sethios, a being of brilliant light, captured and imprisoned there by the demon Trithon, who created this realm and controls its denizens. Scythios imbues Simon with strange powers shortly before Simon is recaptured and taken to be sacrificed to the demon Trithon himself. When the demon tries to feed on Simon, however, he is burned by the power imbued by Scythios and dies. As the realm crumbles around them, Simon offers Sharala escape with him, but as they try to flee, the priestess disappears,
2: along with the realm of
1: Trifon.
2: One of these stories is not like the others. One of these stories doesn't belong. One
1: of these stories really sucks! <laughs> I mean,
2: are we sure this is Gardner Fox?
1: It says Gardner Fox in the credits. Wow. And this is, like we said, this is the, apparently, the cover story on this one. Guys, if you don't have the issue in front of you, the cover story, uh, we have a uh, winged serpent-like creature.
2: Halfway between a serpent and a bat.
1: Yeah. Something like halfway between a serpent and a bat, preying on a bikini-clad blonde.
2: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Um... In front of the, uh, as you so eloquently put it in your notes, the uh, statue from Legends of the Hidden Temple.
2: Yeah, that, that that's Olmec.
1: Yeah. So, this is apparently the cover story. But, there is no blonde in this story. No. Uh, the Batman that we see do not have wings. No. Are, do not have tail tails. No. And sadly, Olmec is not there to ask us any questions. Right. Silver Monkeys for the win. <laughs> Silver Monkeys for life! But um, it it's a pretty cover.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it it would not look out of place on, like, any given sci-fi pulp kind of novel. Or heavy metal cover. Right, right. It just...
1: The story that goes with it, oof.
2: It's rough. It's, uh, for one thing, it doesn't really fit this magazine.
1: No, he's not quite a vampire. Right. But also, it, it feels like one of these reprint stories. It, it does. The ones we kind of just skip over and read don't really read.
2: And, and maybe that's, again, I mean, maybe that is because it's Gardner Fox. I mean, Gardner Fox created the Justice Society for DC true like he he'd been around for a while so maybe this is just when he was assigned to write a horror story he went back to that earlier era of horror comics
1: I suppose so what's with the living starlight being in the middle of a cave
2: I don't know i I have no idea what's going on there it's yeah,
1: I mean, it certainly was a story.
2: Yeah, I think. Yeah, and and Simon is awfully presumptuous. Oh, to just to just assume that that, uh, Sherala would want to leave with him, like she gives him up to that point no indication of that.
1: And she mentions she finds him attractive, but uh, Simon being. An American white male takes that to mean, Oh, you're gonna have lots of sex with me and be serving me forever. And when I kill your god, you're gonna come with me.
2: Um but that's not what happens. No. Um Yeah, no, this was this was not great. Um the the even the art feels old fashioned.
1: Yeah, it it really does. Huh? Something just occurred to me. Um, the role of Simon Majors will be played in this film by Doug McClure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're not wrong. You are not wrong. No, he, he's totally a Doug McClure character. Uh, yeah, and I think part of it is, in terms of the way it looks so old-fashioned, it is really heavily inked.
1: Yes. And... Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's I, I, all I got. Sorry. I, I, it's so, not great. I, I've said all I can say about the story. I, I, I get that it's the cover story, and
2: I, it, it, it's kind of cool there's a thing with five stones, but nothing happens with them. Yeah, no, they, they open a portal. That's it. Um, uh, so just before this story, there is a lengthy prose piece about, um, Bella Lugosi's non-Dracula performances. Go on. Um... Which it's it's fine. It's, uh, by, uh, Doug Monk, actually. Of Moon Knight fame? Exactly. And what does he
1: have to say about Bella's, uh, lesser-known outings?
2: Um, well, he, he covers the ones you'd expect. Uh, a little bit about Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein as being the only other appearance that Lugosi had as Dracula. Um... Which he hated and, making, by the way. Right, um talks about mark of the vampire which is sort of a cop-out because it turns out that lugosi's character isn't really a vampire um i would make a great vampire (laughs) ah shut up um he mentions the devil bat which is bad um spooks run wild which was a low-budget monogram picture with some knockoff versions of the bowery boys right Um, yeah the East Side Kids was was the monogram version. Oof. Um, then there was Return of the Vampire, uh, which was a uh, Columbia picture. Um, that one's actually pretty good, and, and the article reflects that. That uh, it, it played almost like a sequel to Dracula, but they didn't have the rights, so all the names are different. As you do. Um, and, and then he spent some time on uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Uh, and what's interesting is he gets his facts wrong about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Okay. Um, he, well, he says that Lugosi is, uh, replaced by a double because Lugosi was unavailable for the rest of the shoot. I mean, that's technically true, but he was unavailable because he was dead. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that that's, that's a very kind of extreme understatement. Um, also, he uh, misidentifies uh, Vampyra, um, and and by mistaking her for Carol Borland, um, which Carol Borland played uh, the female vampire character opposite Lugosi in Mark of the Vampire. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, to his credit, this was before the internet. Sure, and this was, it, he was... I'm sure not West Coast, so he would not have seen Vampyra on local television.
1: No. No. It really is amazing, though, the kind of things that got published about film before we had the internet.
2: Yeah. Well, and what's shocking to me is this is a whole article about Lugosi's non-Dracula roles, and they leave out one of Lugosi's best performances which was as Igor in Son of Frankenstein. A favorite of yours, I know. Yeah, it. it I would say it is Lugosi's best performance. Uh, but um, it does not get mentioned at all in this article, which is just weird to me.
1: We've had that conversation before about Ed Wood, right? How uh, people are very much not sure whether Ed Wood was... A godsend for Lugosi in his later life, or an exploiter of Lugosi in his later life?
2: And I think the answer can be a little bit of both. Like, I don't doubt that Ed Wood was enamored of Lugosi, and was thrilled to be able to work with someone like him. A- and, and I'm sure that what payment he was able to offer Lugosi helped him in a time of financial need. Yeah. But Ed Wood was a low-budget filmmaker, working in the exploitation genre. And so exploiting was the thing that he did.
1: Yeah. I don't think Edward knew, knew how to not exploit something.
2: Right, right. And, and so it, it's complicated. A little bit of both. Yeah. But anyway, I just since I found that article to be far more interesting than the uh, Five Claws of Trifon, I thought I would just briefly bring that up.
1: Now our next story on here is kind of a big deal for us. Uh, it's one that has been advertised fairly heavily in the Marvel Comics of this month. As you know, Vampire Tales number two featuring this character and of course that is Satana. Writer on this one is friend of the show Roy Thomas, artist is John Ramita Sr., inker is Jean a Singer, and boy does it show, letter is Irving Watanabe, and the story goes like this. A woman walks alone at night and is attacked by a would-be sexual assailant. As the attacker forces a kiss on the woman, he is shocked to find the life seeming to be fading from him. As the man becomes a shriveled husk, the woman plucks a butterfly from his gaping mouth. The woman reveals herself as Satana, the devil's daughter, and saunters off the rapist's wretched soul, still fluttering between her fingers. Ding end.
2: I am shocked that they got away with hyping a five-page story like that. Four pages, isn't it? Uh, Technically, the, the photo on the page before it is the beginning of the story. Technically. There's a caption. Okay. But in terms of John Romita art, yeah, it's a four-page story. It... Now, it is a beautiful four pages.
1: Yes. It is drawn and inked by John Romita, and like I said in the intro, it really shows. It It is gorgeous Romita artwork.
2: Yeah. Now, it is it is very traditional comic book grid you know like it's not doing anything fancy but it's just really pretty yeah and i guess we learn everything that there is to know as far as like the concept of satana um that she's some sort of succubus yep and she steals
1: souls of butterflies uh which is funny because i'm not sure if you're uh familiar with the show miraculous ladybug no. It's a French superhero show aimed at girls, um, you know, roughly my daughter's age. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main villain um, is a character named Luna Moth who corrupts people, giving them evil superpowers by sending a Luna Moth to them. And once it lands on them, it turns them into a supervillain. And once the main heroine Ladybug um, Breaks them of the spell And turns them back into normal people Um A little butterfly flutters away And she captures the butterfly And takes it Um that, That just popped in my head because of course Satana is taking the rapist's soul
2: In the form of a butterfly Right Right Uh And uh Yeah, um, she's got sort of similar, like hair thing going as her brother, right? um, With the hair suggesting horns. Yes. Um, And that's all I got. I think (laughs) like there's just not much to this. It's it's a
1: it's a short short. It's beautiful. Don't go wrong. It
2: almost feels like a proof of concept teaser.
1: Yes. Which you're like, hey, let's just go ahead and put that in a book.
2: And at the bottom of the, the page, coming next issue, a feature length spectacular starring Satana. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I do wonder how long we'll have to wait before she crosses paths with Hellstrom.
1: That will be interesting to look at. Uh, but she looked great. What little
2: we yeah. saw of her. Yeah, uh, you're it's, right. It's, it's, it's a fine introduction. Even though we're, we're nowhere near getting an origin or anything yet. No, and you're
1: right. It, it is shocking that they got away with hyping her up in all the comics mags of the time. Because
2: there were, like, full page ads for this.
1: Yes. Like, this is the character find in 1973.
2: And she's not even the cover. True. Like, she's in the, like, her name is in the bottom left corner of the cover, almost as an afterthought.
1: True. And her story is four, possibly five pages, depending on who you ask. Right, right. It's weird. It is. It's weird. White odd. Anyway, moving on from there, we have another reprint, which is uh, worth noting because it does feature Digger, another one of those forgotten Marvel horror hosts.
2: Yeah, he he, uh, he used to work with Gravely, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently they don't talk anymore. something about... Um girlfriends and money you know ah uh-huh. that'll yeah. do it yeah but the next actual story uh for us so is also,
2: just as an aside that that digger story uh written and illustrated by jim Starenko.
1: yeah jim stranko interesting fella <laughs> I- uh, interesting fella to say the least anyway our last story for this issue is the praying mantis principle writer on this one is don mcgregor again artist is rich buckler again inker is klaus jansen and carlos garzon in 1930s new york a police captain escorts two gentlemen along the docks one of them is a man in victorian garb an iconic deerstalker cap named Hodiah Twist and his aide Cameron Javons. The captain, who Twist insists on calling inspector, is taking the duo to a crime scene, a murder in fact, inside a locked warehouse where a black man named Leroy Hayes has been drained completely of blood. Later that night, in Twist's plush study, that seems at odds with the rigors of the depression going on beyond its walls. Twist and Javons are visited by a knife wielding associate of Hayes, who states that Hayes had disappeared after visiting a white whorehouse on a dare. The two detectives decide to infiltrate the house of ill repute, with Javons acting as a John while Twist sneaks into a second floor window. Twist is confronted by the house's madam who admits to Twist that they did kill Hayes, because she and her girls are, in fact, vampires. Twist scoffs at this confession and subdues the woman by placing her in a hypnotic trance. Next door, however, Javon has learned a truth of the woman's words as he fights off a horde of transformed, blood-sucking ladies of the evening. After Javon traps the last of them in a nearby Salvation Army chapel, Twist leads the madam outside into the dawn sun to prove to her her claims of vampirism are just a delusion. To his surprise, however, the woman proceeds to melt in front, of the de- in front of the detective and his assistant, leaving Javons to fret that the inspector
2: will never
1: believe them. I really liked this story.
2: It was fun. It's, I mean, it's. They might be giants, but make it horror.
1: Yeah, I
2: had completely
1: forgotten the movie They Might Be Giants existed.
2: Oh, I mean, it, the premise is the same. A man whose wife has died copes by becoming Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yeah, it. I mean, it is definitely influenced by the other. Like Yeah, which, and, and
2: that movie was, I think, late 60s, early 70s. 1971. 19, so a couple years before this. Yeah, two.
1: Yeah, it's obviously definitely inspired by they might be giants and once you reminded me of that i'm like okay yeah it's 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 obvious but it's a lot of fun (laughs) It is a lot of fun i really i really like hodaya twist i find he's a
2: he's a fun character
1: he is uh his his sidekick is a bit more um rough and ready than the young lady in They Might Be Giants. Right. A little more of an actual John Watson. Yes. A little more of a two-fisted gentleman who can handle his own against a horde of vampires.
2: Yes. But and I, I do like the cleverness, uh, that that the, the way he traps them.
1: Yes. They basically crash through a Salvation Army roof, and they're like, oh, well, this is convenient. Yep. Um... I do think there are some story structure problems with this. They reveal too much at the beginning of the story. Um, yeah. I didn't talk about it in the summary, but we do see Leroy Hayes visiting the whorehouse in the beginning. And yeah, there's a
2: prelude.
1: Yeah, which I think kind of, it really just gives too much away.
2: Well, it, it sort of spoils the twist that they are actually vampires.
1: Yeah, I think it would have been a lot more... Uh, effective to just start with the part of the docs like i did in a summary and just go
2: from there yeah um i do like that that prelude does touch on sort of the the racial tensions of the time yeah like like that's the thing like despite giving too much away it is a very well-written scene mm-hmm. it is part of the tension we see here is the fact
1: that you know hayes is going to a white whorehouse in 1930s new york right as a black man it is not the smartest move and it's clear that he's doing this on a dare right
2: right um and i think it's telling i mean this is i mean it makes sense that don mcgregor wrote the story don mcgregor of course um
1: very well known for his black panther run
2: yeah, his his Black Panther run in Jungle Action which came a little before this, I think. I think you're uh, right. Uh was uh was really good. Uh I think I think uh around this time he also did some Luke Cage stories maybe. Okay, makes sense. So, but he was one of the writers at Marvel who went out of his way to feature People of color in roles that were not as stereotypical as comics tended to restrict characters like that, too.
1: Okay, actually, his Black Panther run was happening at the same time as this.
2: Okay, so it was concurrent. Okay. Yes. Cool.
1: And I do think it's worth noting that we actually will get another appearance of um, Twist. Really, this story is not his only appearance. Apparently,
2: fascinating.
1: Uh, I I look forward to it. I would like to see more Hoda <laughs> Twist because even though it is, I they might be giants. It's it's still a really fun idea.
2: It is well, and and that's a honestly, if anywhere, a horror anthology like this is precisely where you can get away with a character like that.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it, and I think it just adds an extra...
2: I wonder if McGregor was pitching Hadiah Twist as a solo feature. It's possible. Because, yeah. because the next appearance is in uh, Marvel Preview Masters of Terror. Okay. Which looks like sort of a tryout book to me.
1: Okay. That makes uh. sense. But, like, I would play this character in, like, a Deadlands Noir game. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It just seems like it'd just be a a hoot to play. And he would just like to read about.
2: I also just love the way he flies into a rage when someone mentions Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yes. It's like, how dare you, sir? Yeah, we don't see Hedaya Twist again until 1978. Yeah. So... It's going to be a while, but I look forward to it.
2: Yeah, well, but it looks like from the title of that book, it looks like something we'll be covering. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> well, Lilith is also in that book. Uh, why is my daughter in a book? Okay, sure. <laughs> the other Lilith. Okay, uh,
1: but yeah, uh, damn it, I just really enjoyed the story. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, it's it's fun. It's I don't know that there's a lot to it, really.
0: No, I mean, it's, it's a
2: it's a simple riff on a Sherlock Holmes kind of story. Yeah, but it's fun. It's so it's much a lot fun. of fun. It's and, fun. And, and again, as as with the the Morbius story, Rich Buckler's art is really good. Yeah, but I'm wondering why do we
1: have a Morbius story from this team? In the first half, and then we have Hodiah Twist in the second half. Like I'm not, I'm not complaining about Hodiah Twist. I really right. enjoyed the story, but at the same time, like you said earlier,
2: why are we not getting the second half of that Morbius story? Right, right, or an extra five pages of Satana, or anything other than that Gardner Fox story.
1: Exactly, like you said. L- well, like I said, I actually, but like we could have easily gotten rid of that Gardner. Fox story and had much more on point content mm-hmm. to flesh out because really that Morbius story did just stop.
2: Yeah, because really the 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 Hodiah Twist story ought to be where that story is. The Gardner Fox story? Yeah. Agreed. And then the end of the book ought to be part two of the Morbius story. Okay. I can agree. Like, with like that. that would That, to me, just seems like a better flow to the magazine, whereas this just feels a little anticlimactic.
1: Yeah. I think we both agree that, of the Marvel mags so far, that Tales of the Zombie is the one doing it right.
2: Yes. Followed closely by Dracula Lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine.
2: Because those are both doing it right in different ways.
1: Yeah speaking of the lord of the vampires we should probably take another quick break and we'll be back where trey will be summarizing tomb of dracula number 13 for us your lucky number (laughs) we'll be right back
2: actually 13 is kind of a family lucky number
0: (laughs) they might be giants he has a sizable estate he isn't fit to handle It's my duty to commit him and uh, I need your signature. Without examining the patient? Is he really Sherlock Holmes? You say he used to be a lawyer. And a judge. He was a brilliant man. Or is he crazy? How long has he been Sherlock Holmes? And how long does each attack go on? Oh, all day, every day. He's never Justin anymore. He's disappeared. All right, here's how it is. You get his money if he dies, right? One thing's for sure, he's in big trouble. What am I going to do with you? You don't think I'm insane? Not you. I'm Holmes. I am Sherlock Holmes. Someone's going to die tonight. It might be me. Out there in the dark, he waits. I'm not afraid. Because you're with me. Where would Holmes be without his arch enemy? Who are you? We're friends. Levins. No, you're not. We've come to take you for a ride. Joanne Woodward and George C. Scott in a suspenseful comedy about the heroes that hide in all of us. I want you. Is there romance? Excitement? Danger? All in glorious technical. They might be giants. Image Comics, formed in 1992 by several creators unhappy with their current place in the industry. So they band together to make a new comics company for a new generation of readers, creator owned, mutants, cops, black ops government agents, demon possessed, and they are going to be the greatest comics ever. In April of 1992, the first issues hit the stands, and fandom resounded with cries of... Pouches? Why are what there so is many pouches? All the pouches? What? You don't like pouches? All the Pouches, an Image Comics podcast, is one fan's exploration of those early years of Image Comics. Youngblood, the Savage Dragon, Spawn, and more, with maybe even a few pouches along the way. So, come give a listen at johnreadscomics.com. That's John with no H. Just so you can spell it right.
2: Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. Our next issue for tonight is Tomb of Dracula, number 13. Cover date is October 1973. Written by Marv Wolfman. Art by Gene Colan. Inks and colors by Tom Palmer. Letters by John Costanza, and the editor is Roy Thomas. Our team of intrepid vampire hunters take a moment to grieve, following Dracula's murder of Quincy Harker's daughter, Edith. Tensions mount as Blade and Frank Drake argue over what to do next, but Quincy refocuses the group on stopping Dracula. Meanwhile, Cecile Parker decides to take a dangerous route home from the university, just as she is accosted by an unsavory neer do Dracula intervenes. He feeds, but rather than kill her, Dracula embeds in Cecile's mind a mental trigger that upon his call will compel her to serve him. Then, in order to better understand modern humanity, Dracula goes to a boxing match. Meanwhile, at the London Morgue, a body apparently bitten by a vampire has been illicitly acquired for the mysterious Mr. Sun whose agents are careful to leave no witnesses. At the arena, Dracula marvels that humans desire peace, but are entertained by violence and bloodshed. Unlike the rest of the crowd, Dracula is disgusted by the spectacle, and so he departs. Back at Quincy Harker's estate, the vampire hunters plan their next move. Quincy suggests that there will be plenty of time to mourn after Dracula is dead. However. Blade counters that he won't stop until he finds the vampire who killed his mother. Blade tells the story of how his pregnant mother was drained by a vampire doctor while she was in labor, and that her death has fueled his crusade against vampires. In bat form, Dracula glides over the countryside before returning to his coffin to rest, resolving to deal with Blade and his companions later. Late in the evening, Parker gets a call from one of his agents about where Dracula might be hiding. They follow the trail to a village not far from Dracula, and they begin questioning the locals. Their questions cause a strange hypnotic reaction, however, which alerts Dracula of danger. Even though dawn is about to break, Dracula prepares for a confrontation. Blade confronts the Count, but unable to gain the upper hand, he is quickly rendered unconscious. Under Dracula's command, the hypnotized villagers arm themselves and make their way toward the vampire's lair. Trying to save Rachel from Dracula, Taj is defenestrated. Quincy attempts to attack with his wooden dart launcher, but Dracula becomes missed long enough for them to pass through him. However, Blade takes him by surprise and drives a wooden stake through the vampire's chest.
1: You just wanted to use a fancy word like defenestrated. Guilty.
2: Guilty. (laughs) <laughs> um he got thrown out the window yeah he got thrown out the window real good <laughs> <laughs> um so uh i guess this is the end of the title right we're, we're done with uh tomb of dracula yeah
1: dracula's dead guys
2: yeah like he he got staked real good like i'm looking at that last panel and uh and he dead
1: oh yeah like
2: he his eyes are closed and they're all like i've killed dracula there's a there's a, a wooden knife sticking out of his chest indeed of course uh this comic began with Dracula lying dead with a piece of wood sticking out of his chest
1: as a skeleton right so we'll, we'll, we'll see you on next issue
2: yeah yeah
0: <laughs>
2: um, um mm-hmm. yeah go ahead well I just I know he's got a tragic backstory and all but blade's kind of a jerk in this one Just a wee bit. Like, he's really rude to the others. Yeah. It's like, hey, Harker,
1: it really sucks you had to stake your own daughter, but let's go get to business, shall we?
2: Right. I mean, he's he's not... He's he's especially mean to Frank. He's not
1: wrong. He's not. But there are better ways to say that.
2: Yeah. Especially to... Mm And it's not Frank's fault that he's related to Dracula. No. Although... It's worth asking, how quickly did they get her cremated? Yeah, because like, do they have like facilities on site? Because it seems like she gets
1: cremated and put into an urn that same night. Yes, which is not how that works.
2: I'm I'm guessing that uh, that Harker has on-site facilities,
1: or at least somebody on call. Yeah, part of his network.
2: Right. Right. Right, cuz we do get mentions of his he calls them observers, but but his his agents who who notify him of vampire goings on.
1: Right. Speaking of agents, we get our first hints of Dr. Sun. Yep. In this issue, a character who will later go on to be a major presence in this title, so I've heard. Right. As well as finally the origin of Blade.
2: Yeah, um, which is not spotlighted as much as I thought it would have been.
1: No, and we don't get the whole, well, because she was bitten while pregnant, I have some vampiric tendencies thing.
2: Right, well, and it'll be a while before that's really a thing. Yeah. Um, In fact, it might be as late as the the 80s or 90s by the time we really get that. Oh, wow. (laughs) I, I don't know for sure, because I've not read all of this run. <clears throat> but uh, certainly nothing is as uh, powerful as the movie version. Okay. Uh, the They ended up having to re- revise the comics version of Blade to match the power set of the movie Blade.
1: Ah, uh, all right cuz I really wasn't that familiar with the character beyond like say trading cards.
2: Yeah, no, like he he doesn't have any vampire powers at this point. Well,
1: yeah, not at this point, but okay. Yeah,
2: but but like like it's it's not until much later that it ha- that he gets those and it is not because of the circumstances of his birth. Okay. Um Now, weirdly, he does kind of have vampiric tendencies in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yes. At that point, he did have them. So right, he at least had like the fangs. Yeah, and he also he also had a lightsaber for some reason.
1: I because they didn't want to show like knives and stuff.
2: Right, right. So it was a laser sword. Yeah, the sun sword or whatever. That, that's safer.
1: Yeah, the kids won't grab a wooden stake and stake some stake a friend or something. Like there's two kids who killed the girl playing Power Rangers.
2: Right. God, Um, do you
1: remember how much of a cluster F that was? A little bit. A little bit. You were were a little young. Yeah, you probably didn't listen to that much news, but man, that was a
2: huge thing. I, I remember it being a thing that some kids' parents weren't letting my friends watch Power Rangers anymore. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, my dad's like, don't do that shit. And I just went back to watching stuff.
2: I mean, I had been playing pretend with power swords and such since the days of he-man so you have the power right but not the original he-man the the new adventures version where he also had a lightsaber
1: oh my god he-man in space <laughs> i i only know about that because of the toys that made us
2: okay yeah we'll see that's i was a little too young for the first run of the original He Man cartoon. Now I saw it, but I saw it in reruns. I was and on VHS.
1: I, I'm like a year, a year older than you and I was just the right age for it.
2: Um but I watched probably every episode of the New Adventures. Okay. And I had all I had all of those toys, including the Power Sword. Nice. Um, but yeah, that was the that was the science fiction y one.
1: Speaking of the delight that humans take in violence, let's talk about that boxing match.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I guess Dracula's not impressed by the low stakes of sports combat.
1: Yeah, apparently he would prefer if, like, people were to die at the end of sporting matches. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... Okay, Jack, calm
2: down a little bit. No lives are at stake here. Nothing is gained by this meaningless spectacle There is no purpose for this mock battle. Um, Nobody tell Dracula about pro wrestling. (laughs) Because that's going to really piss him off. (laughs) True. (laughs) Um, We haven't talked much about the art, but it's one of those weird things where this creative team has sort of settled into a groove and it's, it's good, but it's consistently good in a way that one issue doesn't particularly stand out from the others.
1: We, we've kind of talked about that before, but yeah, although they do do some interesting things with colors here. Mm. Like there's a lot more oranges than I'm used to in this book.
2: Yeah. Like for shadows,
1: right? Like there is a part on page six, where Dracula's turning from a bat into a human and usually we get that in black and blues but here we get it in oranges and reds and a little bit of
2: browns and it looks fantastic really does and it makes him sort of pop out from the background cuz the background has lots of blues and grays
1: yeah we get it too for on page on i guess page 9 where he's watching the boxing match and he's in the shadows Mm -hmm. and it it looks good
2: yeah no it's it's a good choice um and i'm surprised that it's not something we see more of because especially when the backgrounds already have a lot of those blacks and blues in there it makes sense to use a different color palette to to highlight your shadows
1: yeah or to make
2: your star pop out yeah i like that yeah it's nice um i'm guessing we also haven't seen the last of this uh cecile girl i guess which is it just me or is this a new power
1: for dracula
2: Where like like it- oh the the like uh implanting like triggers yeah sort of i mean it's i guess it's related to the kind of mind control that he's used on people before but it it's weird to have it on a delay so like, if I bite you,
1: you are now my slave. But
2: not until I say so.
1: Yeah, I I don't remember him having this power. And is this like something he has to do at will? Is this for
2: every person
1: he's ever bitten?
2: Well, or is it like the people in in that uh, little community that uh, that they're questioning? Where like as soon as they mention Dracula, that's what triggers them.
1: I feel like the thing with Cecile was meant to set up. The whole thing at the village where it's like, oh, this is the power he has, and he's done it to this entire village. Right. But, yeah.
2: I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I I hope there's a little more payoff to it, because not much really came of it in this issue. No. But where where we left off, with Dracula dead on the floor, um, those hypnotized villagers are about to storm the mansion with weapons. Yes. So I figure that's sort of where things are going to pick up next time.
1: Yeah. But it it's a good issue. A lot of yeah. stuff happens in it.
2: Yeah, it but it doesn't have as much of the A plot, B plot that some cuz sometimes what's going on with the vampire hunters feels very disconnected from what's going on with Dracula. Um and this time at least the two threads came together at the end.
1: Yes. Which is nice. Although I still think the boxing match was a waste of time.
2: It was. It feels like that was just to give the book an extra two pages.
1: I maybe have more funeral time for um, Eliza. What's her name? Uh, Edith? Maybe have more funeral time for Edith, maybe. I mean, we do yeah. get a nice little thing there where he's holding... Where Quincy is holding her body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... It, it, her, she's draped across his lap as he sits in his oh, wheelchair. Oh, where he tells the story. Right. I remember once, it must have been a long time ago, my lord, she was only three or four, yet she knew all about my work. She said, Daddy, I don't want to ever be, I don't ever want to become a vampire. Please don't let me become one. And I would laugh and tell her not to worry that I would protect her always. Oh god. Oh god. It's, it's a Really gut-wrenching little panel there. And then Blade comes in and is an, is an asshole. Yep. Filling the Wolverine role.
2: Yes. Yeah, and and on some level, like, Blade is kind... Like, he has a point, but he's making that point in the worst possible way.
1: Yes. And again, it, it again feels like way too much stuff is happening
2: in one night. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, while writing the summary... At one point, I thought that it was already day, and it was not. It was still the same night.
1: No, it's just about to be day, and then he right. realizes they're there. So he's like, okay, I'll do this one last thing before I take a nap. Right. And we're like, uh, I'm not sure that's how that works well for you, Drackey, but okay, go ahead.
2: Right. Like, I hope, I hope he drew all the curtains before he decided to fight them.
1: Exactly, because... Uh, we've seen stories where that has kind of backfired on vampires. Right. Like, you know, the one in the Vampire Tales number two, where the are like, Oh, we'll take one more customer before we go. <laughs> Worked out so well for them.
2: Uh, you talked about the use of, like, browns and oranges as highlights. That happens some in the fight scene, too, to, to some good effect. Uh, near the end of the book. Um, yeah. not sure what page number this is, but, uh... There's a a panel where, uh, haven't you seen that you cannot defeat Dracula? And he's, like, tossing Blade. And the whole thing is is in browns and oranges.
1: Yeah. 24, page 24. Yeah, Yeah. it's good stuff. I think they're trying to get away from the overuse of blue and red.
2: Which is understandable. Like, those are... and, And it's not that the book doesn't use those colors at all. Like, they use them a lot. But, yes. uh But it's nice to change things up.
1: It is. I, I do like that we are clear here that Dracula is the villain of this story.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Because I think, like, over recent issues, there was a temptation and a possibility of falling too much into he's really a noble soul deep inside. Right.
2: Where, like, where he would... Like, weirdly take pity on someone? Yes. Or or the the kind of, like, I want to kill you, but I am honor-bound to leave you alive this time. Yeah. This
1: issue makes it very clear. Dracula is a merciless bastard. Yep. And I like it. And a
2: manipulator. Like, he, he has no problem using any and everyone to his advantage.
1: Right. Like the death of Edith. Well, like Edith, where, where he transforms her just to fuck O'Quincy.
2: Yeah, yeah, or, or even just this whole like new hypnosis power he's showing off.
1: Yes, which apparently Hodiah so. um, Twist also has.
2: <laughs> right.
1: I was almost thinking that like Hoda Twist, you're turning to be a vampire in that story.
2: Oh, and that's all. That's why all the anachronisms that he's a holdover from an earlier era. Yes, that would be interesting. I, I would read a I would read a comic about a vampiric consulting detective. Right? I feel like that's a thing somewhere. Is it a Well thing? Mm-hmm. um Mycroft is in the Anno Dracula books. I thought so. I was just about to say, isn't that a thing in Anno Dracula? Uh, well because Sherlock is dead. Why is Sherlock dead? Because Dracula kills him, because he's a threat. Well, yeah, he is. <laughs> but but Mycroft is still around, I think.
1: Okay. It's been forever since I read *Anno Dracula*. Maybe I should read that again. Yeah,
2: well, there's a, a new one just came out recently. Oh man! The 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 kaiju one. There's a kaiju one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, *Anno Dracula: Die Kaiju* I think is the title, something like that. Wow.
1: Hey man, if they'll pay you money to write your books, do it. <laughs> go to go Kim Newman. Go Kim Newman. Go Kim Newman. Go. <laughs>
2: Um, and I think it got optioned as, like, a TV series or a movie or something.
1: Anno Dracula or Daikaiju Anno Dracula?
2: No, Anno Dracula.
1: Okay. Well, that like makes sense. the overall sense. concept, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's been kind of ripe for a TV series for a few years now.
2: Yeah, although I, I, was, I was unsure if it would ever happen because uh, the, uh, um, oh, what was the horror show that was on premium cable a while back? Um, American Horror Story? No, uh, hold on. Penny Dreadful? Yeah, Penny Dreadful was a very similar, like, idea of, like, mashing up a bunch of monster characters from different properties. Okay, I haven't really watched any Penny Dreadful, but okay. Well, in in that it's got, like, Dracula characters and Frankenstein characters and werewolf characters, you know, it's somewhere between Anno Dracula and Dark Shadows. Ah,
1: yeah. I told you I was watching the 90s version of Dark Shadows, right?
2: Hey, that, that's, that's good stuff.
1: Yeah, it was not as bad as I expected it to be.
2: Yeah. Um, baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt and all. No, no, no.
1: He, he's one of those less egregious child actors.
2: Yep. And and you got uh, um, Spock's dad from the reboot movies as uh, Barnabas.
1: Yep. It, it's, it's worth a look at if you get a chance.
2: Yeah, I think it's on Hulu right now.
1: It's on Prime.
2: Oh, Good.
1: Yeah, so no
2: reason just not to go check it out. Yep. Um, But yeah, as for Tomb of Dracula, um, it's a good issue. It's honestly probably better than anything that's in Vampire Tales.
1: Oh, definitely. Just in
2: terms of narrative.
1: It's a packed issue. There's a lot going on here where in some of those Vampire Tales stories, there's not anything going on. Yeah,
2: the, the Tomb of Dracula issue is basically the polar opposite of the Satana story.
1: Yeah, yeah, where it's like, what am I reading here? Even I don't know.
2: Well, because like it, it's just, and there's nothing wrong with the Satana story. It's a fine introduction, introduction to that character, but it's very sparse. Whereas every page of the Tomb of Dracula issue is just packed with story and character. Yeah, and. Except for the boxing scene, which really doesn't serve any purpose.
1: No, except the pat this page, just like you said. Um, yeah, I think that does it for Tomb of Dracula.
2: Yeah, um, so good issue. Looking forward to more. Uh, curious where the book goes now that Dracula is dead.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, are they still going to call it Tomb of Dracula? I mean, will there be a tomb that they put him in? And we're just going to have them all sitting around it being like, Hey, we're in a time we fought Dracula. Yeah, that was cool. What Blade about the time... like
2: I... Blade would be like, I killed him. Y'all didn't help.
1: Yeah. Now, what about the t- other time we fought Dracula? Oh, that was less cool.
2: Eh, we didn't kill him then.
1: No, we had some people die that we liked. It was sad. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they um, resolve that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but, for now... We should probably take one more break and then uh, look forward to some of the things we got coming up on the show.
1: Right.
0: Black belt against black magic in the greatest battle of all time, as the seven brothers and their sister meet Dracula. Die, Dracula! Die! See the 10,000-year-old monster disintegrate before your eyes. This is the Cinepunks Podcast Collective.
1: Anyway, Tomb Believers, that does it for another episode of Tomb of Ideas. We want to give you a quick reminder of where you can reach us. You can always email us at ideas at gmail.com that's our email, of course. You drop us a line and we'll be happy to read it on the air for you. Or not at all. Just let us know. You can also reach us on our Twitter, at Tomb of Ideas. Our Facebook, at facebook.com slash Ideas, And, of course, you can always leave us a review on iTunes. We always appreciate those reviews and hearing from you, our lovely fans. And, of course... You'll be able to catch up with us next time on Tomb of Ideas when, Trey, tell us tell them what we'll be covering.
2: Right. So uh, on our next episode, episode 31, we will be talking about Fear, number 18, featuring Man-Thing, uh, Marvel Team-Up, number 15, featuring Ghost Rider, and uh, we're not going to cover Monsters Unleashed this issue um, because... There's no new material that's really relevant. Uh, there's a Man-Thing story, but it's a reprint of the origin, which we already covered in our very first episode. So go back and listen to that one. Um, but there's some uh, some prose materials in that Monsters Unleashed issue about the development of the characters for Man-Thing and Son of Satan. So we'll probably touch on that a little bit. Just a wee bit. Yeah. Um, and, and then uh, looking ahead to the rest of the month, Uh, episode 32 we will be talking about Tomb of Dracula number 14 Frankenstein number 7 and Werewolf by Night number 11 so those are our our old standbys sort of the trio of, of classic monsters there
1: yeah so definitely something to look forward to on those anyway guys thank you again so much for joining us on another nail biting episode of Tomb of Ideas and we'll see you next time bye bye bye
0: You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tomb
1: members, (laughs) ex-helsior!